Today's uh, verses that I want to read come out of Philippians 2, verses 1 through 8. God's Word says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Would you pray with me? Father, we come this morning, Lord, and your word tells us that what you wrote is here to teach and guide and direct us, Lord. And Lord, I stand here this morning... As an individual soaking in your word, wanting that so much to apply to me each and every day. And to our church family, Lord, that I have the pleasure to be with. Lord, my desire is that each and every day I think of others and the needs that they have before myself. Lord, I think of the six-year-old who is brought here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night, Lord who needs you, who may have a family that doesn't know you. Lord, may that interest of that child be above mine. Lord, I think of the 45-year-old that's dealing with addictions, struggling every day just to make it through a day. Maybe doesn't have food. Maybe doesn't have a place to live. Lord, that person's needs need to come before mine. Father, I think of the 80-year-old whose mind is going, whose life is coming to an end, and yet has never had the opportunity to accept you as their Savior. Lord, perhaps sitting in a home, home alone, sitting in a nursing home with no one coming to see them. Lord, their interest needs to be above mine. So, Father, as your word speaks to me this morning, I pray your word speaks to us all. Lord, that the reason that you have us here in this community is for the needs of those around us who don't know you. Father, because they need you desperately. Father, we have come to that saving grace of you and they're still needing to, Lord. So may their interests always be my focus of being their interests above mine. Father, as we hear your word brought through the message today, may that be our hearts as well. Speak to us today. Teach us as you would with, as you did with your word that we read, Lord. And may we take it to those around us, share it with them, and rejoice in the day that they come 
to know you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Good morning, everyone. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Pastor Jeff is out of town today. Last Sunday, his mom, who is battling Alzheimer's, he shared that before, she fell and I think uh, fell down like a flight of 14 steps. And so uh, he has traveled there to help out with uh, his mom. So please be in prayer for, for uh, Pastor Jeff and family and uh, trust that God will uh, grant them what they need as uh, he's helping there to help care for her. So it's not about me. It's not about me. Those are the words that Noah Sander shared at the end of the first week of one of those teams that went down to El Salvador on a missions trip just this month, early a part of this month. Many of you know that uh, here at church we sent uh, several teams this summer. There were actually four teams that went. There was a work team that went Oh, maybe two months ago, and then at the end of June, there was a series of three teams that went back to back to back. Uh, Each of them were out of the country here for nine days and had a wonderful time serving at an Envision site there in the country of El Salvador. Here in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, our larger Alliance Church family, we've got these what they call Envision sites scattered around the globe. This is a place where, well, real ministry is happening all throughout the year, but it's also a great place for interns to come and spend anywhere from, I don't know, three months to six months to a year to up to two years to be involved in ministry, to uh, uh, either give some time or further prepare themselves for a lifetime of ministry in a cross-cultural situation. And there are also sites where short-term teams can come and participate in what they're doing too. So as a church, we had the joy of seeing uh, three teams from here go. In total, uh, there were 34 people that went. And at the end of this month, uh, I think it's the 26th of August, we'll have a larger extended time for the teams, those three teams, to show some pictures and to share all that uh, God did during those days, we did some construction work and some work with teens and helping out an Alliance Church that's near the Envision site, a number of things that were, were really enjoyable together. Well, as part of that experience, each morning the teams would uh, get up and after breakfast we would have a devotional time together. And, and I had the joy, I went down with the first team and stayed all the way through so it would take one team to the airport and at the same time pick up the next team to come back. So it was really fun for me too. But each day we, we began it with uh, what we call devos, or devotional time together. And at the end of the day we would reflect on what happened. So we'd get in a circle and share, you know, what was the high point of the day, what was the challenge of the day, and was there anything that God was teaching us individually as a group. And we'd go around in a circle share, and then pray together. At the end of the week, we did that for the entire week. You know, what was the high point of this week? And what was the great challenge of this week? And was there anything in particular we felt that God was speaking to us throughout the week? And that first week, at the end of the week, as we went around the circle, Noah 
No Sander shared. And he said those words. It's not about me. It's not about me. And he went on to say that one of the things that God has been saying to me is that it's not about me. And he said, even this trip is not about me. My mission experience and what I was going to learn and even my experience with God. You know, you'd go on a trip like that and you're anticipating, expecting that God will do all kinds of things and things in you. But he said, you know, God's been showing me that it's really about not me. It's not about me at all. Rather, it's more about serving others and what God wants to do in them and the part that I can play in that. And, and he went on to share that God has been speaking to him from the passage that was read this morning, Philippians chapter 2. He said, even before I got here to El Salvador, God had been speaking these words to me. And he keeps taking me back to this passage. It's not about me. And ever since Noah said those words at the beginning of July, I've been thinking about them and allowing them just to kind of bounce around in the back of my head. You know, when life starts to become about me, it starts to become very self-centered. Now, the obvious forms of self-centeredness, they're, well, they're obvious, right? We know them. We can see them immediately. Someone who's self-centered or boastful or prideful or, you know, whose thoughts and conversations are always about themselves. So in this passage that was read this morning from Philippians, Paul writes, Do nothing, do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And that theme echoes throughout Scripture, right? James says this in chapter 4, God opposes the proud but shows favor. He gives grace to the humble. So what is pride? Pride is one of those words that, you know, uh, we use, but sometimes it's hard to get a handle on. And one of the ways that I've seen pride defined from a biblical perspective is this. Pride is an unholy preoccupation with self. Now, in one sense, there's nothing wrong with being occupied with ourselves, right? We we all have needs that we need to attend to, and we all have interests, things that we like and don't like, and we even have ambitions in life. You know, in Scripture, Paul had ambitions too, the Apostle Paul I'm talking about. He writes in Romans chapter 15 to the church in Rome, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Well, it's no accident that God tapped Paul on the shoulder to uh, wander through the Mediterranean world and sharing the gospel and starting churches because That was part of Paul. He had even an ambition to go to places. He even says in Romans that, you know, he he wants to go to Spain. Even beyond Rome, he has a heart to take the gospel where it's never been before. And we do. We have interests. We have passions. We even have ambitions. I think of my family in particular. Now, uh, my family 
loves salmon patties. You know what a salmon patty is? Right? You can go to the store and you get, you know, those little cans. Rather than tuna, you can get salmon. And it's an easy, quick meal. You pop it open. You can make it a little patty there. You can fry it on the stove. And my family loves it. My kids, it's like eating candy. Now me, salmon patties, not so much. So I'm pulling in the garage and getting out of the car. And I can smell them already when they're being cooked in the kitchen. They're not my favorite, right? So my wife, on occasion, you know, she gets a grocery list and she'll say, like, okay, we've got, uh, got hamburgers and we've got spaghetti and we've got frozen pizza and I've got some salmon in the cupboard. What do you want? Well, my taste changed, but I can guarantee you salmon patties are never number one or two or three. <laughs> some of you are there with me, Right? So, uh, if dinner were all about me, there would be no more salmon patties in the Patterson household. But dinner isn't about me. And before I came to church this morning, uh, my wife is out of town actually uh, this morning, but I looked in the cupboard and there are four cans of salmon patties. And I guarantee you, sometime this week, we're having salmon patties. Probably Thursday or Friday after everything else has been eaten. But we'll have them. And when we do, I'm not going to grumble about them. I mean, she already knows they're not my favorite. But, you know, they're not, I don't hate them, right? They're okay. I can eat them. But we do. We all have preferences. The problem comes when we become occupied with ourselves first. When I become preoccupied with me putting my needs and my interests ahead of others. And when we do this, we end up leaving God out of the picture. Pride takes over, and we develop an unholy preoccupation with ourselves. Self takes center stage, and God is relegated to a minor role if he's allowed on the stage at all. And we forget that God is the source of all we have and enjoy, and the only one who is really worthy of worship. And we become self-centered, and we make it all about us. It's about me. And as Noah said so well, even a mission trip can become about me. And since he said that, one of the thoughts that has been running through my head is, just how subtly a self-centered attitude can express itself in our lives. It's really surprising how even something like a mission trip can morph into a self-centered experience. And we can end up judging it by whether it meets our own expectations. Now, we, we can question or wonder, did I have a certain kind of experience? Was it meaningful to me? Were my needs met on this trip? And did I have a certain kind of experience that met my expectations? And maybe you might think, how did this compare to another missions trip? Maybe I should have gone on that trip when the church went to Mali. I would have had maybe a better, more self-fulfilling trip. And we judge its value based upon how we feel about it or how it impacts me. And, you know, you might even think, 
Wow, I, I went on team one. Why did I go on team one? Sorry, team one, if you're in the room this morning. I, I should have gone on team three. I mean, that's where all the interesting people are, right? All the cool, connected people were on team three. Why, how did I end up on team one? Now, it sounds silly when you say it that way, right? And one of the joys of these three weeks together, I mean, each team said this. Someone said it around the circle at some time during the week. Um, Team three said it the first night that they were together. Someone said, you know, we are all a very unique group of people. And, and the reality is we had people from age 11 all the way to age 78. And we had an incredible mix- mixture. And we had some families that went together as a family. We had youth. We had those in their 20s and 40s. And like I said, all the way up to a 78. And each group said this. You know, we look around the circle and, you know, we're all different people's. Some of us, we didn't even really know each other before we came on this trip. And we might not have chosen one another, but God chose us and brought this unique group of people together. And, you know, uh, each week things kind of morphed, even from the plan that we originally had, which often happens on a missions trip like this. And, but it just seems like we had the right people, some to do some construction, some to work with youth. Uh, just... It, worked out beautifully how God knitted each team together and brought the right people together for the right needs that we had each week over those three weeks. That's the kind of thing that only God can do. Um, Tony Escalante, who's the director of the Envision site, I know he shared this with team one and two. He was traveling during the time that team three was there, so I'm not sure if he shared this exactly with team three. But as part of a, an orientation, the beginning to the week, he shared that when they first started doing this, bringing teams down, they had a team that came from the States who came with a very specific agenda, right? They knew what they wanted to do, they had a plan, they had a goal, and they were bound into to, determined to do it. They brought their own money, and they spent it the way that they wanted to, And Tony shared, you know, it was almost as if if we as El Salvadorians, Tony is an El Salvadorian um, who who leads the project there, he said it's almost as if we didn't matter. And uh, they didn't consider our perspective and what we saw as the needs. And Tony said to us very specifically, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Now, I'm sure that team you know, a number of years ago, left El Salvador feeling very good about the work that they had done for the kingdom. And I'm sure they did good work for the kingdom. But, uh, but in one sense, it was all about them. And the El Salvadorians, they felt, all, they felt walked over. It's what they felt like, to be honest. And before we even left here from the church, those three teams, we met a series of weeks together, and we talked about the fact that we needed to enter the El Salvadorian world and to serve them, not us. This missions trip wasn't about us, right? It was about them. And uh, 
it's very true. Those of you who went on the, tri- on the trip, right? You know it's true. El, Sal- El Salvadorians do things differently than we do. And if you've been on a trip to a, a different part of the world, you know that to be true. And it's very easy for us in our Western mindset to get frustrated with them because they're not doing it right from our perspective, right? So in uh, a couple of weeks, the El Salvadorian teams, like I, uh, the teams are, are going to share some pictures and whatnot. But I have one picture that I want to show you this morning. And the guys put it up. It's a picture of a fuse box that we were working on as part of the week. And you can see there on the right, there was a little sticky note that was put over the fuse box. Can you read it? I'll read it for you. It says, do not, and the knot is underlined, do not flip these breakers on or staff will get shocked in the shower. (laughs) Now that tells you everything you need to know about life in El Salvador. Right? We we had showers at the end of the hall and they were cold showers. And uh, there was one point where it rained and I went back to the room where the showers were and water was pouring through the ceiling all over the electrical lights onto the floor. And one of the guys on team one looked at that and laughed. You know, and he said, I got to get a picture of that. And, you know, he started talking about, you know, rather than put a sign up on it, why don't you just fix it? Right? And by the color of that sticker, it seems like that had been there a long time. Now, whether you should fix it or not, that's a whole other issue. And El Salvadorian's timing and practice of doing things is, is different than ours. Uh, but that's the way it is. And it's very easy to come down to another setting and say, you know, if you would just listen to us, you would be much better off. If you would do it this way, it would be much better. Well, let me tell you, that attitude in the missions world is deadly. It's deadly. Even if my way really is better off. And I'm speaking as a missionary, right, who lived overseas a number of years. I can't come in and tell other people how to live as if they are poor third world people who don't know any better. That attitude is a killer. One of the team members shared at the end of the week, she said, one, one of the things that I felt God was speaking to me during the week is that it's not so important about the things we accomplish, but it's more important about how we treat one another as we work together. And I thought to myself, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That actually sounds like the gospel, right? How we serve together. Now, when we go on a missions trip, it doesn't mean that we don't evaluate it, right? And what went well and how we can do it better. And it certainly doesn't give us an excuse to do things poorly. But that's different than making the whole trip about me. Right? It's not about me. And it's not just a mission trip that can become self-centered. We can find it creeping into our marriage life, our family life, even our work life. You know, your work life isn't all about you. 
not about the position you have at work. It's not even about the salary that you make. Right? It's kingdom people who are following Jesus. Right? It's not all about me. And you know what? Even our church life isn't all about me. And even my life and experience here at church can subtly become all about me. And I can walk out of a Sunday morning worship service with the same kind of attitude that I expressed earlier about a missions trip, right? Did I have a certain kind of experience? Was it meaningful to me? Are my needs being met here? And did I have a certain kind of experience that met my expectations? And how did this place compare to that place over there? Maybe I should have gone over there where I would have had a better, more self-fulfilling experience. After all, the people over there are cooler than the people here. The programs are better, the preaching is better, the music is better, however you want to look at it, right? But stop and think for a moment. Isn't church far more than what happens during an hour on Sunday or during a particular program during the week? not about me it's not about me and I'm speaking to me right hear me I'm speaking to me as I heard even Noah Sander share now it doesn't mean that God doesn't ever lead us from one place to another he does and it doesn't give us an excuse to do things poorly or for us not to work diligently in all aspects of our life together as a church But if I approach life on the basis of it's all about me, I can find myself adopting a self-centered approach to life, even in my life of faith. So what does Paul say? He says, do nothing, nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather... In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In other words, it's not about me. Perhaps a better approach to life in general is something like this. Lord, what are you doing here around me? And how do you want to use me to see your kingdom unfold here? Lord, am I blessing those around me Am I being a blessing or am I wrapped up in being blessed? And I have to ask myself, am I listening for God's voice and what he wants or just what I want? Am I focused even on my worship of God or am I worshiping the experience of worshiping God? Lord, help me to uh, bake my marriage and my family and my job and even my church life about you and about those that you have put around me. Or in the words of Noah, God has been showing me it's not about me. Rather, it's more about serving others and what God wants to do in them and the part that I can play in that. Now, here at Community Heights, we're talking about, in these days, how we can shift from an inward focus to an outward focus, to have that kind of shift in our focus as a body of believers. Now, in that process, 
we can develop programmatically all the appropriate outward-looking behaviors and still have a deep-seated, subtle, inward-focused heart. Now, today's theme was supposed to be about hospitality, so I better say a few words about it. Pastor Jeff, in the series Renovation Part 1, had a series of four things that we walked together through as a congregation, and one of those was hospitality. So now in these next four weeks, uh, we're in uh, Renovation Part 2, and we want to come back and look at those four themes. And today's theme, again, is this aspect of hospitality. And in that series, Jeff had defined hospitality Uh, coming from the original word in Greek as meaning love of the stranger or the foreigner. Now, I can be hospitable, that is, inviting people into my home or inviting people into my church family, but with a subtle spirit of self-centeredness. You see, a true spirit of hospitality is not about me at all. See, it's not about building a network of contacts who can help me in the future. Sometimes we do that, being hospitable. And it's not about inviting those into our home or church who we enjoy or who we like. It's not about our personal preferences in people. I'll be hospitable, sure, okay, I can do that, but I'll only do it with the good-looking or the smart or the well-connected or the fun people. You know, hospitality isn't even about welcoming people into our church so that we get bigger. Right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to get bigger. But that's not what hospitality is about. Us growing to a certain number. Um, Before Pastor Bo went on vacation, I was just listening to him talk about ragbri and the whole experience of the spaghetti dinner and I tell you, Bo was pumped. He was on top of the world. That was a wonderful experience. He, he said, told me that about 50 people were, were involved with the whole meal, you know, making some cookies and dessert and all the things. And then about 30 people on the day that we served the spaghetti meal, there, there were like 30 people that were involved. They were cooking and, uh, you know, passing out food and sitting down with people as they ate. Now, why did we do rag rye? Why did we do a spaghetti dinner? You think about it, all the people were coming through, they weren't from Newton. Right? In fact, many of them were not even from Iowa. Um, Bo was saying as, as people talked with different people, they were people from all over the country, and they were even people from other countries that were on this bicycle ride across the, the, the state of Iowa. Most of those people will never see again. It was a meal to share. Some of those 30 people sat down and talked, you know, with those, which was a wonderful thing. And some of them were engaged in spiritual conversation and some not. And that's okay. It was a wonderful expression of love and care and hospitality to the stranger. And with no expectation of anything in return, even that, you know, somehow we'd uh, get them to come to our church and be a part of our church body. 
See, hospitality isn't even about me. It's even not about our church. So what's it about? It's about us following Jesus and being changed by Jesus and being committed to the mission of Jesus because we love him and long to serve him and those that he brings into our life. And you know, I don't go on a missions trip or I don't go to church or I don't even practice hospitality because, I've, because of what I get out of it. Now, here's the good news. Praise the Lord. I get something out of it. <laughs> right? What does Scripture say? Cast your bread on the water, and soon it will come back to you. And when we bless others, God returns the blessing to us. And that is a beautiful thing. But I don't cast my bread on the water so that I get bread back. That's not the point. The point is to love and to care and to share with others the same hope and joy that we have found in the person of Jesus. And so my challenge for us this morning is simply this, is to ask the Lord, Lord, is there any area of my life where subtly a self-centered spirit has begun to creep in? Whether it's in my marriage or in my family, or in my work life, or in my neighborhood, or even in my life of faith, even of my experience here at church. Holy Spirit, speak. Let me remind you again of what Paul wrote in Philippians. Therefore, if you have any comfort, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Father in heaven, as we close this morning, we come humbly and we bow before you. Lord, thank you that even your life is not all about you. Jesus, you didn't make things all about you. In fact, you said that you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. And we would pray, Holy Spirit, that that same mindset that our Savior has, that with your help and strength, that you will work it into our own souls more and more and more. Father, forgive us when we, uh, when we make it all about me and all the different avenues of our life even our church life, Lord. But we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be at work 
Holy Spirit, I invite you to be at work in my own life. I need more of you and less of me. Father, even as a church body, we need more of you and less of us. Oh, be pleased, we pray together, to so reveal the life of Christ in us that it would be not about us, but that it would be about him in whose name we pray. Amen.